Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I am so happy that you are here today on this special Feast of Tabernacles, and I believe that the Lord has a word prepared for you that will build faith in your heart and really will produce peace and joy in your life. Praise God. Now today, let's take our Bibles and start in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16. We're going to drop down to verse 16, and we're going to receive the holy tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of God. It says in verse 16, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread. That would be what we know as Passover. And then it also mentions at the Feast of Weeks, that would be more commonly known to us as the Feast of Pentecost, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, which we are at right now, the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes called the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of the Ingathering. It's all the same, uh, same thing, different terms to express this wonderful feast here called the Feast of Tabernacles. And it says, And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Now, as you're honoring the Lord by bringing the holy tithe into the storehouse, Remember also that we are sowing our special Feast of Tabernacles seed, which is a special offering that is going towards the cost of production associated with the new programs that we have created uh, for uh, the network that has requested that we would record evangelistic programs strictly for the purpose of evangelism. We have recorded those programs. Now we want to be able to pay for them and all the production costs associated with that and get those off to the network. And the network has said throughout the months of November and December, they're going to be playing those messages uh, on a very constant and consistent basis to a potential viewing audience. Uh, audience that is over 1 billion potential viewers. Woo! Praise God. So it's a very, very large satellite footprint. And I want to say thank you for standing with us as we have stepped out into what we could call the oceans of the world to reach the fish. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And the Feast of Tabernacles, as we have talked about, is the Feast of Ingathering. And it has a lot of prophetic foreshadowing of the great harvest at the end of the age. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, you know, uh, don't use the phrase four more months and then the harvest will come. Jesus said, no. He said, lift up your eyes. The harvest is ripe. It's ready right now. And that's what we're doing together. We're stepping out and pulling the harvest of souls in for the glory of God. So if you have not yet done so, I want to encourage you right now, bring your special offering in for a Feast of Tabernacles so that we can continue to create wonderful programs like this and cover the cost of the ones that we have produced and continue to expand through the powerful platform of Christian television. Praise God 
forever. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're mailing in your tithes and your special offering, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithe and your special offering in online, you can do so anytime, day or night. Please visit our new ministry website at stephenbrooks.org, and you'll see the link there on the homepage for the regular tithes. And if you also have the special offering, click on the header that's called projects. And when you click on that header that's called projects, it will open up a page and you'll see the current projects we're working on and the special project called Feast of Tabernacles. And you can click on that and sow your special seed right there. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Every man shall give. As he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Now, I would also like to read the beautiful statement from the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. So Jesus answered, and he was answering Peter, and said, Assuredly. Now, the word assuredly is, is like a double positive in the Greek. It is a way of having the strongest possible statement conveyed possibly. And he says, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Praise the Lord. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus taught the great parable about the sower of seed, and that as you sow seed, you can reap a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 fold. And I have learned over the years of walking with the Lord that the 30, 60, 100 fold return in many ways is like good, better, best. And I'm going to pray and agree with you right now for the seed that you have sown towards the Feast of Tabernacles, that God will multiply it back to you and that he will give you the 100-fold return. Now, please don't just limit that to something numerical, because perhaps you're sowing for something that would not even be financially related. But God is able to get his very best into your life, and he knows exactly what you need, and he is mindful of that, and I believe that your seed will speak towards that need. So right now, those of you that have already sown your seed and you got it in quickly, those of you that are sowing right now, and I know there's a few more of you, you've actually told me that you need just a few more days. So we know that technically the Feast of Tabernacles this year runs October 2nd through October 9th. It is a seven-week feast. So if you have not done so, get that in. But I want to pray right now for everybody who has already sown and those that are sowing right now. And as those other seeds come in, it will touch the anointing that I'm releasing right now. And you will receive the blessing as you release your faith for the 100-fold. Are you ready? Heavenly Father, I pray for the precious people that have sown seed into the soil of global evangelism. They have your heart. Now, Father, as they have released their seed and they're sowing right now, and others are going to be bringing that seed in very, very swiftly. Father, I pray that you multiply their seed back to them one hundredfold that you will return to them your very best into their life, 100-fold, in the name of Jesus, shout, 
Amen. I receive. Woo. Praise the Lord. God is good. Now you be expecting your harvest. You be looking for your harvest because the anointing, the blessing of God it's all over the seed that you've sown because God's heart is completely in this. So he is going to bless you. Be looking for your harvest because it is already on the way to you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go to the gospel. Uh, actually, before I read a gospel scripture, I've got a few of them. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. This is probably... Maybe even the classic scripture that opens this up. We'll see some other good ones here in a few minutes. But let's go today to Exodus chapter 33. And we are going to start today in verse 11. And I want to talk about the subject of don't lose the presence. Who praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now with quickening power. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God, that it be a living word, a living message, providing the spiritual food and nourishment that we need in order to move forward with you and to walk with you in victory. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We all agree and say amen. Now, Exodus chapter 33, we're going to begin in verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. How many of you know that's a really good trait <laughs> when you just want to be around the Lord and the things of God? As we would say, you just want to be in the house of God. Anywhere God's moving, you want to be involved in that. Uh, don't be surprised if you get too close to the fire, too close to the glory, if something doesn't rub off on you from the things of the Lord. Uh, I've seen many people uh, that were deacons, and, and a deacon is a servant that would just do the basic things in the church, whether it's mowing grass or vacuuming carpet. But then five years, seven years later, you you see a teaching anointing come. You see eldership ability come. And uh, the next thing you know after that, some, some by the grace of God can even be moved into one of the five ministry offices. Praise God. Very, very fascinating. And we see that God already has his hand on Joshua. And Joshua has quite a bright future. As does anybody who stays close to the Lord. Verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Verse 13. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14, and he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Mm -mm. How many of you know that even if you're doing your favorite thing in the world, whatever that might be, the thing that, you know, we all have maybe like a, a certain interest or certain fun things that are attract our attention. But, you know, without the Lord's presence, 
your life can be dry. And even if you're doing that certain thing, there, there can be a deadness to it, and you're not able to extract the joy out of it that you would thus desire. Why would that be? Because of an absence of the Lord's presence. So it is very important to the point where Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. May you have the same heart and understand the value of the presence of the Lord. And may you always protect it and do everything you can to not lose the presence of the Lord. Verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken for you. You have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. So Moses was very acquainted with that presence of the Lord. Now, as believers in the new covenant, we have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. But there is also the anointing that can be up on the believer, but there is also a presence, the very presence of God, that in a sense, it's not so much the anointing that's up on, which is an empowerment to function, to do what God called you to do, but the presence is a 24-7 grace that you just sense that presence of the Lord. Now, let me say this also. We walk by faith. There can be times when you, in a sense, don't sense that presence as strong as you would like to. Maybe uh, because of certain natural inhibitors, uh, it's it can be a little more difficult to detect that presence. In other words, if you're jet lagged and you haven't had enough sleep and your body clock is turned upside down, sometimes it can be a little more um, difficult to discern the presence of the Lord. But from a normal day-to-day way of functioning, you should be able to pick up on the presence of the Lord quite clearly. Praise God. And once you get used to it, you always want the presence of the Lord with you. And I'm not just talking about in general, well, uh, be blessed, the Lord is with you. Yes, we know in essence the Lord is with us, but we're talking about the manifestation of that where it's not just something written on, on paper, but it is a reality in our lives. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There are different ways in which we could lose the presence now, maintaining the presence of the Lord is going to require a constant walk of faith. You're going to have to trust the Lord. You're going to have to take his word. And we live in a world where many things can come out of the blue. Many things can merge into our life unexpected that were unplanned. And they can challenge the maintaining of that presence. I remember one time I was speaking. I was scheduled to speak in a large church. On a Sunday morning, uh, this would be one of those classic type churches that itinerant ministers, uh, you know, would just be honored to go to. And the, as you would say, the largest church in the city and uh, had a great name and God moved in that church with great power. The people uh, were well uh, instructed in that church, a great pastor. So uh, I knew the pastor and he and I were, were friends, but it wasn't that often I would be able to speak there on Sunday morning. So knowing that I was speaking in that wonderful church, I endeavored to prepare myself with a lot of prayer and a good Bible study and get a good message from the Lord. And I got a good message. And knowing also that this was in Southern California, 
I knew normally it would take from my house to the church about 45 minutes to get there if traffic was normal. So what me and Kelly did is we decided to leave two hours early. Okay, so we gave pr plenty of buffer time for unexpected traffic or who knows what may come up because you not only want to get there on time, preferably you want to get there early. So we left about two hours before the service even started. And as we got going, the, the moment we left our house and merged onto a major freeway, although it's a Sunday morning, there was absolute total gridlock. And I couldn't tell what was going on up ahead. But, you know, we sat in the car and I'm driving and Kelly's in the passenger seat at the front. And we thought, well, this is OK. We've left plenty of time early. We'll, we'll be just fine. But you know what? That line just inched along. We just we made our way. Maybe uh, we we probably went in 30 minutes. We probably went about 200 yards and that was it. And so the clock keeps ticking and time's going. And before you know it, it's uh, you know, we've gone past an hour. And before you know it, now we're like in an hour and 20 minutes. And this pressure began to like. Uh, want, it wanted to come on me. See, I was carrying the presence of the Lord. I'd gotten up real early to pray, and I could sense the Lord's beautiful presence, and I was maintaining it up to that point. But the reality of, hey, you're going to be late, was facing me, and it was trying to it was trying to evaporate the presence of the Lord. So I was faced with a decision. What are we going to do? And Kelly just said, she said, we're going to get there on time. Now, my mind was like, well, there's no way <laughs> we're going to be late. Not only that, the traffic's not moving at all. But in times like that, you have to learn another element of the language of faith, which is not always to make a faith-filled confession. Sometimes the language of faith is just silence. And for me, that's what worked in that moment. Just stay silent and fight main to maintain that presence of the Lord that was resting on me. Praise the Lord. Well, I did. I could, I, I just maintained it. And you know, it was about five or seven minutes after that where the traffic started picking up, picking up, and then resumed back to normal uh, freeway speed. And we kept driving, kept driving, and we got there all said and done about 10 minutes early. And I wasn't speeding and going crazy. We just drove the freeway speed and we got there about 10 minutes early. But you know what? I could have lost it. I could have lost the presence and got all frazzled out and showed up in church. And I'm supposed to be the one that's ministering. And, you know, here I am all frazzled. But I, I've learned over the years, and that was a very valuable lesson, that you can lose the presence, but fight to keep it. And hold it. And if you keep fighting and fighting and holding, then the Lord will work on your behalf and you can maintain it. And the Lord will take care of the other things that are beyond our control. Praise the Lord. Once when I was ministering in London, England, and I always loved going to London. But when I was in London, I was checking in to the hotel and I had a lot of luggage, you know, because this was a long extended trip. And some of the luggage was also uh, uh, products like books and CDs and stuff like that, teaching materials. And so um, Kelly, she had a large suitcase that was hers. But then you also have your travel, your, your carry on stuff that you bring on the plane. So she's pulling all of that. So I had all of this stuff that I'm bringing my carry on stuff, plus all these other suitcases and the person the the, uh, the helper in the lobby said, 
sir, can I help you with your luggage? And I said, oh, no, that's okay. I'll get it. Because I thought, well, you know, this is, I'll just go up the elevator and probably be right down the hallway, and then I'll be at the room, so there no really need to do that. So I said, no, that's okay. I've got it. Well, once we checked in and then went to the elevator and went up the elevator and got off, oh, wow, this was one of the most expansive hotels I've ever been in. And it seemed that the carpet and, and the distance just kept going forever and ever. And the carpet, I don't know why, was like that thick, literally. And pulling all of those suitcases through that thick carpet, I started to really lose the presence of the Lord. And I started to get frustrated and I started to get agitated. And, you know, I'm trying to pull all of this stuff. And the Holy Spirit, his presence just came and he said, stop and ask for help. And I, I was getting all flustered. Oh, Holy Spirit, I can finish this up. I mean, I mean I, this, this room's got to be around here somewhere. These hallways eventually have to end. I can't just keep going left and right and straight and left and right. Eventually we'll get there. And the Holy Spirit, just strong, strong impression. Stop and ask for help. And almost like in exasperation, I wanted to ask, I, I wanted to ask the Holy Spirit, like, well, wh where's the help? I don't see any help. But again, just stop. So I did. I just stopped. And the moment I stopped trying to drag all that stuff and pull all that stuff and lose my composure, the moment I stopped, I felt the presence of the Lord begin to come back and I felt peace. And I just stood there for about 30 seconds. And a lady walked around the corner and uh, she worked. I could tell she worked there by her uniform. And I said, ma'am, I said, would you be able to help me with my luggage? She said, absolutely. And I said, what is your... Your, func your function, your role here at the hotel. She said, I'm the general manager. And so she was the general manager over the entire hotel. And I got to meet her and I thanked her. A beautiful hotel. Anytime that me and my wife go to London, we love staying at that particular hotel. It's just, um, it's wonderful in so many different ways. But the, the Lord just was, again, teaching me, don't lose my presence for anything. Not for luggage, not for a certain event. Well, we have to run. We have to rush, Pastor Stephen. There have been times, a few, not many. There have been a few times where I've had to run to catch something, maybe a person that that if, if they get away, they're not going to know something they, they need to know. So I would run and holler or something like that. There have been just a couple of times I can count them on my hand when I've had to hurry to uh, through the airport to get to my terminal or my gate. And the Lord was in the hurry. In other words, the presence was with me and uh, the presence was with Kelly. And it's kind of like carrying us along. Yes, we may be getting a little bit winded as we're doing this, but you could sense the Lord is like, don't give up. You're going to make it in time. And there was a there was a joy, an exhilarating joy in it. But there have been other times when my mind would say, hurry up or you're going to miss it. But my heart would say, no. No, don't don't run on this one. Just walk. The Lord's in the walk. He's not in the run. And if I would try to start running instantly, I could feel the Lord's presence begin to evaporate and I would just stop and I would just stop and uh, I would just walk. And every time that has happened, when I would I would walk in my mind, I'm thinking I need to run according to the clock, according to the schedule on the on, you know, the electronic board. I need to run every time in my heart when I sense the presence of a God of God to just walk every time I would get there and there would have been a delay. 
or for some reason nobody has yet bored it, or I've still got time to board, or it just always worked out peaceful and smooth. So I believe we really need to learn the value of the presence of the Lord and always have the presence of the Lord with us. Thank you, Jesus. I had an unusual situation when I was ministering one time in the Washington, D.C. area, and the pastor said, he said, now, Brother Stephen, I'm going to come by, and I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to take you to, to the service. The service starts at 6 o'clock. Be ready. I said, okay, I'll, I'll be ready to go. And so I'm at the hotel, and, uh, you know, by 5.15, I'm, I'm ready. I've got my Bible. I've got everything uh, ready to go. And so 6 o'clock rolls around, and uh, he's not there. There's, there's no call. Because the, the rule was, not the rule, but the agreement was, hey, I'll call you from the lobby. And when I call you from the lobby at your room, just come on down to the lobby, and then we'll go straight into the vehicle, straight to the service. I said, okay, sounds great. Well, the call never came. 6 o'clock. No phone call. So at 6.20, I text the pastor. Pastor, is everything okay? You, you wanted me to uh, be ready at 6. Um, so just checking to make sure everything uh, is okay. Oh, yes. Uh, he said, Pastor Brooks, everything is just fine. Uh, I'll be by to, uh, to pick you up. So uh, it's now 6.20. And so I just wait. 6.40, he's not there. 7 o'clock, he's not there. And the church service, is, he said it starts at 6. So at 7 o'clock, he's not there. 7.15, I, I, was, uh, I was facing the temptation to lose the presence of the Lord. Now it's like 7.15 or so, so I, I text him again. Pastor, you said the service started at 6. You would pick me up, uh, you would pick me up at 6. Is, is everything okay? Oh, yes, uh, uh, Pastor Stephen, everything's fine. Just relax. He said, I'll be there. I said, okay, all right. 8 o'clock, <laughs> I'm still sitting in the hotel room. <laughs> Woo, 8.30, I'm still sitting in the hotel room. 9 o'clock at night, and the service starts at 6. 9 o'clock at night, I'm still sitting in the hotel room, just sitting in a chair. And uh, by this time, uh, the presence, I'm fighting to keep the presence of the Lord. And um, I just wondered, Lord, is this guy legit? He, he seems legit. Uh, you know, you know, he's got a good website. I, I've heard good references and good ministry. And although I know this is my first time here, um, everything seems to be up in the up. But I said, Lord, I said, it's nine o'clock at night. And, um, you know, he said we'd start at six and, you know, and so forth. So um, uh, 930, I'm still sitting in the hotel room, and it's 9.30 at night. And my mind said, you might as well just relax and, and release the presence and just relax. You might as well take your clothes off because obviously something's gone wrong here. And, you know, uh, you know maybe just, uh, you know, you'll figure out tomorrow what happened. And I said, no. I said, no. I said, I am not going to lose the presence of the Lord. I'm going to stay in faith. And I'm, I'm going to see when you get ready for something special that the Lord's got prepared for you, such for me, such as a meeting, it's almost like you're carrying something. Actually, you are in your spirit. You're carrying a message. You're carrying an anointing. So I'm like, I'm saying to my, my spirit is saying, I'm not going to empty that. I'm not going to lay that down. I said, no, I'm staying in faith. I'm staying dialed in. I'm staying prepared. I'm, I'm going to maintain the presence of the Lord and I'm not going to relinquish that. So. At about nine, I don't know, it was probably right around 945 at night, the phone rings. Pastor Brooks, are you ready? 
Well, praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Just been waiting for the call. He says, well, come on. He says, everybody's waiting. To say, I hear you minister. <laughs> and I thought, well, <laughs> you know, sign 45 at night. By the time we get there, it's going to be 10 o'clock. And by 10 o'clock at night, probably everybody's going to want to go home. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. The service will probably be over within 20 minutes. Well, I got there and and they did start at six. They had just been going for almost four hours and. By that time, I'm, I'm sure they were all primed for me and uh, had gotten uh, through all of their little announcements or whatever, maybe major announcements. Anyhow, at 10 o'clock at night, they're ready to bring me up. And here I am. And they're expecting me to go full speed. Now, if I would have shut down, if I would have relinquished the presence of God, I would have walked in there not having the edge that I needed. But I held on to it. I held on to it and delivered a beautiful message. And the pastor said, he said, Pastor Stephen, we are blessed. He said, would you receive the offering? And I received an offering for him and his ministry. And when I finished sharing the offering and the offering was gathered by the ushers and the elders, they took it into the back and they counted it real quick. And they sent word to the pastor and they told him what the offering was. And he, he looked, uh, he looked puzzled and he sent word back. He said, no, that number can't be right. He said, that can't be right. They sent word back again saying, no, the number is right. <laughs> and he said, he said, Pastor Stephen, we have never in the history of our ministry. He was in his seventies. He said, never in the history of our ministry. Have we ever had an offering of this size ever come in? We've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm sure glad that I didn't take my tie off and take my suit off and just lay back in the bed and order room service. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But I kept the presence. I kept the presence. And you know why I kept it? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't wanting to lift. He was on me. I'm thinking, well, if, if, if you know, if the Holy Spirit's ready to roll, I better stay ready to roll. And I would highly encourage you to stay ready also when he is anointing you for service, mm, for ministry in your respected career field. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there are uh, certain things that can cause a lifting of that presence. But there are, at the same time, certain remedies, particularly one, that we can immediately implement that will restore that presence. If it's lost, we can bring it back. Hallelujah. We see this in the gospel, not the gospel, the book of Acts. Chapter 3, chapter 3, and that would be verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now, repent and be converted. This principle, though, of the restoring of the Lord's presence is not just for the initial salvation experience, but for any time when you've blown it and you need to repent. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, so that times of refreshing may come from where? From the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. One time I blew it and in my heart I, I, I knew, Lord, I've blown it and I'm not happy about it. And the, the instant I realized I blew it, I was going to say, Lord, I'm sorry. But before I could even get the words out of my mouth, because it was already it was already being released from my heart. The Holy Spirit came. It was one of the most unusual 
remarkable experiences I've ever had. It was a memorable experience. He came so fast and grabbed me. And I know it wasn't an angel. I know that I know with every fiber of my being, it was the, it was the person of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Jesus. Uh, it wasn't a seraphim or a cherub. The Holy Spirit came and grabbed me and held me because I felt, I felt grief and conviction because of the error that I, that I had made. But before the enemy could try to come with any type of condemnation or before I maybe went over into a place where I just, you know, uh, the enemy will try to get you in the condemnation. And because I grew up in such a, uh, in such an atmosphere of legalism and, uh, uh, we kind of would just beat ourselves up. We didn't, we didn't really need the devil that much. We grew up in such relig religious legalism that if we ever made mistakes, well, we would beat ourselves worse than what the devil would. <laughs> well, you know, he's actually the one behind that. But the Holy Spirit swept in so quick. He came in and grabbed me and he held me. He held me and everything lifted off of me that would have been any type of a condemning influence. He just held me and he held me with such love. And such purity. Wow. It, it was just phenomenal. So repentance will restore you immediately back into those times of refreshing. Back into the presence of the Lord. That's where all that refreshing comes from. That's, that's where that, uh, the, the act of the Holy Spirit holding me and just loving on me. It's that refreshing. Where did it come from? The presence of the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Thank you, Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. It's a very beautiful thing. Why is it that maybe even some Christians, who in their heart they love the Lord, but they're depressed, and I'm talking even deep depression, to the point that some of them take antidepressant pills. They're taking pills to cure their depression. Why would a situation be like that? I'll tell you why. Because somewhere in their life, if they'll look, somewhere in their life, they did something that caused a loss of the presence of the Lord. And that brings what? It brings depression. It brings sorrow. It brings everything in the grayscale. And if it's not dealt with, it'll go into darkness. That's why there is that depression. See, we're told... In the Psalms, Psalm 16, and this would be verse 11, where it says, a Psalm of David, it says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. So if you get away from that presence, you're going to lose that joy. And if anybody is in depression, it's because somewhere along that line, you've lost the presence and so what you need to do is you need to repent, repent of what caused you to lose that. That's the first thing you need to do. Repent, draw near to the Lord and that refreshing and the Lord's presence will come right back to you. Mm -mm. And it's something that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Praise God. The Holy Spirit, he is the most incredible Stabilizing factor. Mm -mm. Woo! Hallelujah. You'll never ever lose your mind 
with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You'll never be flustered with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You'll never be in a place where you're just knocked off your feet when the presence of the Holy Spirit is there. He produces calmness. He produces peace. Even in the midst of chaos, you will be kept safe and strong. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but that of a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, what else could cause a loss of the presence of the Lord? This is something that the Lord taught me also through personal experience. And that would be a loss of the presence can be due to reviewing your past sins. Praise the Lord. Now we're told in the book of Hebrews. This would be Hebrews chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant. Now this is in reference to the new covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. And after those, those days have now come after the cross, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Well, if God doesn't remember them, why would you be trying to remember them or revisit them? And I'll never forget the time. This was years back. And I was sitting at the counter of my house. I was there by myself, Kelly and my daughter. They were out doing something. And I was sitting there literally in the presence of the Lord. I had a beautiful prayer time. And I, so I had some free time. And I came out of that prayer time. And I sat down and I began to check some things on my laptop. And I saw something that I had never opened before on my laptop, which was Google Earth. And I had downloaded it sometime uh, before, but I never really opened it. I didn't like it that much because, it, you know, it's a gigantic file. It was taking up all the space on my computer. But I thought, well, let me see what this is all about. So I clicked on Google Earth and I opened it up. And as many of you know, Google Earth allows you to zoom in on any place on the planet. And there are all of these high resolution photos taken from space, along as many other images that are taken at street level and anywhere on the planet that you would like to find. Uh, if you start zooming and start flying around on Google Earth, you can find it, even if it's in Egypt or Cairo or Israel or America. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm kind of flying around and clicking on certain things. I thought that's really cool. That's fun. Then I had an idea. Now, up until this time. I was just kind of like in the presence of the Lord. The Lord was happy. I was happy. And me and the Holy Spirit are, you know, we're just having a nice day. But I, I, I had a thought. I said, wow, this is really an amazing tool. This, this can allow you to look up anything on the earth and find any location. If you just, I mean, even if, if you didn't know the location, if you had a few landmarks, you could probably find a certain location, if you could just remember, maybe this was close to it or that landmark was close to it. And it, a thought came to me. It was not a thought from God. It was a thought from my soulish man. And I thought, oh, I could probably find that place when I was homeless for that short season of my life. 
and when I say short, that was, it was too long as it was. But I thought I could find that place. Now, if you've read my book, The Sacred Anointing, you could read my testimony of that horrible pit the Lord brought me out of when I, I was homeless and I had to just, you know, go through a very, very difficult time in my life. But I thought, oh, I said, with Google Earth, I can probably find it because I remember that bridge. It had a railroad track going over it, and there was a stream that was beneath it, and there was like a forest area, and I thought, I can find it. I said, I know this. I know the city. I know the town, and I started, I started flying around on Google Earth, and before I knew it, I could see that forest. I kept zooming in, zooming in, and then, and then I found that bridge with the train track that ran over it, and I said, right in that area it was. That spot where I had such a, one of the most lowest points of my life. And in my excitement, I stopped. And I realized that the Holy Spirit presence was zero. He had just totally pulled back. Now, I know, I know technically the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. But as far as his presence, his presence, the thing that Moses valued so much, the thing that the great men and women of God valued so much, and the thing today that God still hold, holds in such high regard. I noticed that as I had been doing that, suddenly, now, excuse me, when I was doing it, I didn't notice it, but suddenly, right when I was zooming in on that area, I noticed, where did the Holy Spirit go? The presence that I was enjoying so immensely, it's completely gone. I said, Holy Spirit, I said, is something wrong? And the Holy Spirit said, yes. He said, you're looking back at your sin. And he actually called those, how can I say, that experience that I've got myself into through uh, bad decisions and just ignorance of God's word. He actually called it sin. And he said, you're looking back at your sin. Ooh. I said, Holy Spirit, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I completely understand what you're referring to. And I immediately closed that out and I deleted it off of my computer. And even today, it's not on any of my computers. I have no interest in looking back on those types of things. And then I was aware of what the Lord meant. Micah chapter 7 Verse 19, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins, all of them, all of them into the depths of the sea, into the depths of the sea. And these low parts of the sea and the vastness of the great oceans with the tremendous pressure that is down there due to all of the miles and miles of the weight of all of that water and the, the darkness, the inky black pitch darkness, those are places that are not designed for man to go. Oh, Pastor Stephen, though, uh, we're making uh, exploration into the uncharted areas of the ocean. Let me just tell you, most of those areas that are down deep. Nobody's ever, ever going to go down there. Yes, you may have the rare moment when somebody tries to set a world record for the world's deepest dive or the world's deepest, you know, submersible. That's that never lasts very long because you're not meant to live down there. And man, outside of maybe submarines that are going around just to, you know, for the purpose of national defense or whatever. 
But even still in those submarines, their radar and their sonar can't pick up the hidden sins of those that are under the blood of Christ. And since God has put it out of his memory, there's no need for us to bring it up. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this in the wisdom of God. There are areas of personal testimony that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to get into. Now, Pastor Stephen, we have the story of Rahab the harlot recorded in the Bible. Now, let's stand up and let's talk about everything that she did. No, everything she did is not in there on purpose. You don't need to know about all that. Uh, just the title alone, Rahab the harlot (laughs) saved through tying the scarlet cord and all the beautiful prophetic significance in that. But, but God hid her sins and there are, there, there are elements of your past where you don't need to stand up on testimony uh, on Sunday morning and testify. I want to tell everybody what I did. They don't need to know about that. And God hid it. And if God hid it on purpose, on purpose, and he's covered it, he's covered it, not just on your behalf, but on behalf of others, I would highly advise you to let it stay hidden in the depths of the sea. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. There's a lot of wisdom in that, especially even for those that have broken the law. And there's, there's elements of the law where you go past a certain amount of time, you know, maybe 10 years or 20 years, uh, you can no longer be incriminated to those crimes. Now, the truth be told, I don't have any legal crimes or anything like that. I haven't broken any type of laws that could come back on me. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, a speeding ticket, maybe like 20 years ago, or I remember one time I kind of rolled through a stop sign that was about 24 years ago. But, um, outside of that, that's not something that would relate to me, but for some people I know, Yes, it is the statute to uh, the what's it called? The um, the limit of statutory or whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about has not run out. And uh, until that time, since God's covered, you would be good just to keep on going in the Lord and not bring it up. Perhaps never bring it up. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. So let's just leave them there because you start bringing them up. I'll tell you one thing. The presence of the Lord will leave. He doesn't want to talk about that. He doesn't want to know about it. The blood of Jesus has washed it away. Mm -mm. Now you may have recall in it of your mind, but just because you have memory uh, doesn't mean it can hurt you. Doesn't mean it can speak against you. The blood of Christ has dealt with that. Let it go. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I think, I think the Apostle Paul even spoke towards this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. You get into unforgiveness or you get into the fact of bringing up other sins whom the blood uh, has already dealt with, then you're going to lose the presence of the Lord. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You really need to stay close to the Lord and maintain the presence of the Lord so you have discernment of these devices, these the tactics that he uses. He's an old devil. He'll implement the same 
tactics over and over and over again. So the presence of the Lord will shield you from that, will make you aware from that, and you can see it coming up as it starts to try, the entrapment uh, begins to unfold, even like it says in the Proverbs, the net is no effect to the birds that watch you lay that snare, lay that net. And you'll just see the enemy, oh, and you'll think, oh, same old tactic, same old snare. No, devil, I'm not going for that. And you just go around it, or you just keep walking in the Spirit. And you resist and you go on with the Lord. But that is all part of that blessing that comes from that package of walking in the presence of the Lord. You are very well aware of Satan's devices and you're not fooled by it. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we just give you praise today. Thank you, Lord. See, if you lose the presence of the Lord, it's like... It's like you're the running back on a professional football team and the quarterback passes you the ball and you've got the ball. Your whole team's on the offensive and you fumble the ball. What's just happened? Well, if you don't recover it, you don't recover the presence. You've lost possession. What does that mean for you? It means you're not on the offensive anymore. You're now on the defensive because now he's coming at you. Now, we do know in Scripture, resist the devil, resist the devil. So if that happens and you lose the presence, now you're going to have to turn it back and you're going to have to resist the enemy and you're going to have to do what they do in football. Basically, the enemy or the, the adversary, you know, they have four attempts to advance on you. And if you stop them and they don't gain their 10 yards and you force them on their fourth down the punt, then you get the ball back, you get the presence back, and now you're back on the offensive again. But if you've lost it, find out where you lost it, why you lost it, get it back, and don't give it up again. Can you say praise the Lord? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, here's something fascinating about one of the unique blessings of the presence of God when it is in your life, when it is on your life, and it's even discernible, <clears throat> excuse me, even to others. We see a beautiful example of this in the Gospel of John. Let's take a look at it. This would be the Gospel of John chapter 1. Praise God. Lord, we give you praise today. John chapter 1, and we're going to drop down, we're going to go all the way down to verse 47, praise God. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold! An Israelite, indeed, in whom is no deceit. The King James Version says, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. In other words, the first time that Nathaniel encounters the Savior, Jesus, the Messiah, the very presence of Jesus is able to acknowledge and see the uniqueness of Nathaniel. And as you have encounters in the presence of the Lord, it will also reveal the uniqueness of your life. Hallelujah. And who else did you ever hear Jesus say that about? And I'm not saying the others had 
issues of character in this area of honesty or deceit or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there was something very pure about Nathaniel that when the Lord came and now Nathaniel's in the presence of the Lord, what is revealed? A unique identifier of something about the destiny, the calling, and a revealing of the life of Nathaniel. Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. How many of you would also suspect that there were probably a lot of people, when I say people, I'm talking about other Israelites, that Jesus could not say that to. <laughs> he could say that to some, oh no. <laughs> but he could see that on Nathaniel, and he said that. And so as Nathaniel comes into the presence of the Lord, into the presence of Jesus himself, it brings clarity to the identity of Nathaniel. Praise God. Now, something happened to me recently. This was about two weeks ago, and Kelly was with me. She was riding in the front passenger seat, and it's a normal day, and it wasn't planned or anything like that. And I just called Kelly on the phone, and I said, hey, let me swing by the office and pick you up. Let's go get, uh, let's go get a latte. She said, okay, I need a break. She said, okay. So I, I come by and I pick her up. We drop, uh, or we're in my vehicle and we drive to this various, you know, coffee houses around, but we both felt like let's, let's hit the Starbucks drive-thru today. So we're in line at the drive-thru at Starbucks. I order my drink and my little snack and Kelly, she tells me what she wants and I placed an order for both of us. And we pull around, and now we come around the corner and pull up to where the window is, which is where you pay and where you get your, your drinks and so forth presented to you. So when I pull around to the window to pay, there's a young man working there that I've never met before. Must have been just hired there recently or something like that. And, you know, I, I give him my, my card to pay, and he's looking at me very unusual. And he, he takes the payment, hands the card back. Then he starts passing me the drink and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And he says, um, he just stops and says, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, yeah. Now, let me say this before I tell you what he did. I'm not wearing a suit and tie. And I'm not pulling through that drive through line, you know, with a, you know, minister's pin on my shirt or something like that. And I'm not pulling up to the window with the Bible saying, hey, everybody in there, do you know John 316? I didn't do anything like that. It's just a normal day. And all I'm trying to do is get a latte. Pumpkin spice, by the way. But he stopped and looked at me after he passed us our drinks. And he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, um... Are you a preacher? I said, yes, I am. He goes, oh, he goes, I thought so. He said, um, can I ask you another question? I said, yeah. He said, um, he said, you just seem like you're one of those types of pastors that would have an international ministry and you would be a televangelist with a global outreach ministry on TV. He said, is that right? My wife said, you know, Kelly heard this. She said, yes. She said, that's exactly right. She said, how, how did you know that? She said, Stephen's on TV. She said, how do you know that? 
He said, I don't know. He said, it just seems like that's who you are. <laughs> My wife said, are you a Christian? He said, no. She said, well, would you like to become one? He said, mm. he said, it's complicated. He said, no, it's complicated. I said, it's okay. I said, God is working in your life. So just keep walking this path that you're on because I can see that God's working in your life. He said, thank you. I said, well, thank you for the drinks. And um, he says, uh, you know, he said, I hope you didn't think I was crazy just coming out of the blue with something like that. I said, no. I said, it's totally fine. I said, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Praise the Lord. So then, you know, we just drive away. And Kelly thought, that's hilarious. I said, that's, that's wonderful. And I said, I'm glad that you were there because when things like that happen, because of God's presence, See, the presence reveals identity of who you really are. And, um, and I'll be honest with you. I just finished a fast. And I just come off that fast. And that was really my fast-breaking meal. That, that's going all out. That's the, that's the Starbucks drink and the banana bread. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, everybody breaks their fast in different ways. But that's how I concluded mine. And that, that's, that's what happened there. That was the Lord's blessing on that, the presence of the Lord that was with me there in the truck. And there is something about God's presence that will identify you that people can read you like a billboard. You don't, even have to, you don't even have to preach because I didn't pull up saying, hey, do you know John 3.16? Do you know I'm a preacher? I didn't do anything like that. I'm just trying to get a latte. That's all I'm trying to do. But I'm, I'm trying to encourage you that as you invite and host and maintain the presence of the Lord, there's something about that where God, God makes your identity in him known. And there's a purpose for that, which is to help others. I have a minister friend, and he told me and another minister that he went to Israel. He hadn't been to Israel in a long, long time. So he got on a plane, and he went to Israel. And so he's going through customs. And when he got the customs, and he handed the custom agent his passport, the, the Israeli agent took his passport and didn't give it back, said, you. Stand right here. Suddenly two men that work for the border patrol or the border agency there come out, you know, dressed in suits. They take the passport from the, the man working there and they lead this minister friend of mine over into a private room into what looks like an interrogation room. And he goes in there not knowing what in the world's going on. I mean, he's just, he just trying to go to Israel to take a little break and relax and spend time in prayer and hear from the Lord. And he has, he has a, he has a, he's known, he's known in the church as a true prophet. So they take him into what would appear to be a interrogation room. They sit him down and, you know, they put the light on him and the, the lead, the lead guy that's going to ask the questions, he starts off. By doing this, he said, we know who you are. <laughs> he said, well, he said, well, who am I? Who am I? He said, you're a prophet of God. And we know who you are. We all know who you are. He said, you do. <laughs> he said, yeah. he said, you know, the guy wasn't laughing. He said, yes, we all know who you are. And he and, and the interrogator said, we want to know why you're here. 
what is it that you know? <laughs> he said, well, I'm just here to relax and pray. <laughs> Woo. Now, how did, how did they know that? How did they see that? They weren't saved. They're not born again. They don't know Christ as their Savior. But the moment they, they somehow saw him, they knew, oh, oh, we, we know, we know that, 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 get him, get him over here. We, we've got to know what he knows. Mm-mm-mm. That's a true story. That's a true story. But what I'm trying to say also, when the presence is there with you, that presence goes before you, that presence is there with you. And it's, it's something about like what Jesus did with Nathaniel. It revealed an element, a key element of his spiritual makeup, of his identity, one of the great strengths in his life. Praise God. I believe we see this also in the Gospel of Matthew. This would be... Uh, Matthew chapter 4, praise the Lord. Let me flip back over there. Matthew chapter 4, and let's drop down to verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. So they come into the presence of Jesus. And immediately what happens? A revealing of their true identity. Something deeper than just the natural. Something deeper than just the natural. Oh, they're just fishermen, Pastor Stephen. God sees them differently. And that presence allows the God identity of who you're supposed to be to be unveiled, not only to you, but to others. Praise God. And they begin to probably think about that. Fishers of men wonder what's up with that. Oh, a huge part of their future calling. I was praying for people one time, Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. This was in the Los Angeles area. And so... I shared my testimony, and then I began to pray for people, and then the spirit of prophecy came upon me, and so I began to prophesy over people that were in a line. As they would come through the line, they would stop, I would speak a blessing over them, and for many of them, the, the, the anointing of prophecy would flow, and I could just get the prophetic words for people as they came through the line. So this one lady, she comes and stands before me, a total stranger, and I said, you have a, you have a gifting. And your gifting is music. I said, you sing. And you're really good at it. But I said, the Lord reveals to me, because the presence was there. I said, the Lord reveals to me that your true identity, your greater identity, is that of a teacher in the body of Christ. And God, at this time in your life, is now beginning to lift you up as a teacher. And she just stopped and looked at me. And she said, I sing for the Metropolitan Opera. I travel back and forth from L.A. to New York. And she said, just recently, though, I've discovered my real love, my real passion, because my pastor asked me to teach the woman's Bible study. And she said, it brings me more joy than anything else I've ever done. And it's really all I want to do. I said, well, just keep going in that direction. See, that's what the presence will do. It will begin to reveal identity, calling. Destiny. And that's why you need the presence or else you're just dry. <laughs> kind of like going around in the wilderness, going around in the desert. Oh, yeah, you're still alive, but you're just dry. You may not even know where you're going. Walking in circles, just looping around the same old mountain. Hallelujah. 
Mm -mm. But that presence, the, that presence will lead you out of that. Mm -mm. Unless you're, of course, real rebellious like the children of Israel were. <laughs> <laughs> who did not honor the presence of the Lord, and for the most part didn't want it. They were happy to let Moses have it. Moses, you have it. Moses, that's your thing. We want to do our own thing. So that brings us to the conclusion here, which is one of the most difficult areas of your Christian walk will be maintaining the presence of the Lord. And I'll be straight honest with you. It is the greatest challenge of any believer, and it doesn't come easy, naturally, even for prophets, for apostles, for preachers, for ministers, everybody has their own area in which they have to push through. Jesus said, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent, they take it by force, and that's a faith force. You have to just say, you know what? I can't live without this, and so I'm going to push into it until I get into it and then maintain it. Praise God. So it's, it's difficult to maintain that presence. One of my, I'll give you a few examples. One of my challenges that really challenges me to maintain the presence is when I have days in which I must prepare the message. Maybe I'm not even preaching on that day, but maybe the next morning I am. And so I need that day to prepare the message. And I wake up, walk out, and it's just perfect weather. All day long, perfect weather, blue skies, sunshine, perfect weather. And the natural man says, oh, oh, this is a great day to go up to the mountains. Oh, this is a great day to go out. Oh, we, we need to go enjoy this. We need to go enjoy this. But in my spirit, I know I've got to get the word. And if I don't have the word, I'm going to go and share something. And that anointing won't be there. And the presence won't be there. And I can't stand living like that. So what does it mean? It means for me to maintain that presence and to get that message, I have to do what only works for me, which is go somewhere where there's no windows, where there's no distractions, and close myself in and get alone with the Lord. And every time I do it, it's like dying because it's so beautiful outside. Oh, oh, Pastor Stephen, it's such a beautiful weather. Oh, you've got to go out and fly a kite. You've got to go out and just you do something. And you know what? You just have to, for me, I just have to let that go. And if it means going into a little room where I don't see any of that beauty all day long, when I come out of the room, I've got the presence, I've got the message, I've got the anointing, and I have the ability now to help others. And it, I tell you what, I realize in times like that, that I've got all eternity to enjoy blue skies. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to live for all eternity. I've got all eternity for that. So what? I gave up a whole day. Uh, I gave up a whole day. But the return, the exchange, oh, far outweighs whatever it is that we're being faced with that we need to lay down. Hallelujah. Now, for me also, there is the normal challenge, which would be busyness of ministry busyness of ministry. And I've gotten, I can say by the Lord's grace, I've gotten pretty good at that. I know what I need to pull back and just spend time with the Lord. That's more of a struggle for some other ministers, but I usually don't allow that busyness to cut in on my devotional life. If it tries, I know, hey, that, that's a danger area. Uh, don't give that pre uh, precedence. You have to do, uh, you know, I, how can I say, you have to make sure everything's running right 
But you've got to do your main thing, which is what the apostle said, which was to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Praise God. But there's also the other, as we could say, stuff that needs to get done. All that needs maintenance. All that needs to be tightened up. And so uh, while there are some things that you can do, you have to know your limitations. And so for me, while I used to try to do all of this stuff, because there are certain skills I have, I realized, no, I've got to maintain the presence. In order to do that, I've got to pull back. And so I'll just let go of that. And trust the Lord, and then the Lord would send provision, and now good. Now I can haul, a, uh, I can hire a carpenter, get somebody in there that knows what they're doing even better than me. Let them do it. That's their thing. Let them stay in their flow while I stay in mine. But all of that is a continual surrender that goes on as you fight to maintain that presence and to walk in that realm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See, I. I've uh, I had a pastor friend, he fumbled away the presence of the Lord, and it started off as a blessing where the Lord helped him to buy this beautiful home, and he got into this phenomenal home, but it needed to be remodeled. His strength became his weakness. His strength was he had all kinds of carpentry skills. He could do everything from creating custom kitchen cabinets and bathroom cabinets to uh, he could he could just frame out the whole house. He could do roofing. He could do anything. And so he told me later, he said, he said, Stephen, he said, the more I kept using my own talents and strengths to just, you know, remodel this home. He said it began to engulf me. And he said the anointing and uh, my ability to minister and the presence of the Lord just kept going down, down, down. And I got sucked into this thing of remodel, remodel, remodel. And the house was looking really good. But he said, I, I got to a place where I completely lost. 100% lost the presence of the Lord. And one day he woke up to that and realized his emptiness and just, he just dropped everything on that house remodel and told his wife, you know, um, I, I don't know how we're going to finish this remodel, uh, but I'm going to have to get my, my place with the Lord back into the right place where I, I can sense his presence, hear from him. And I'll just trust God for the finances to finish it. And he did. He did. He got back into his zone. God blessed him. Got him uh, uh, somebody in there, a, a good contractor that could oversee it, get all the workers in there. And it came out beautiful. You have to be very, very careful with this. I have another pastor friend of mine. He got lured into the same thing because he had a lot of skills. He had uh, he was actually, before he went into the ministry, a general contractor. So he knew how to do a lot of things. So he got diverted over in the area of a swimming pool. And yes, he saved himself about $50,000 by not having uh, a con an outside contractor build this pool in the backyard of his home. But he did it all himself. So he's down at the, you know, uh, at the county getting all the permits, getting all the licenses. And now he's got to start doing all of this stuff. And he's got to get some workers in there with him. And he's, he's the lead man. And they're laying pipes. And they're pouring, you know, the semen. And uh, they're doing all of this stuff. And it went on and on for months. And it it was phenomenal looking, but oh, his messages just weren't like, oh, they took such a nosedive. It, it was really sad. It was really sad. And so one day he woke up and realized, what, what have I done? Uh, you know, I can't forsake th this sacred thing of the presence of God 
for something as silly as a pool that I'm hardly ever going to use. <laughs> and, you know, you, you justify it. Well, it'll be good for the grandkids. We'll bring the grandkids over. They can enjoy the pool and stuff like that. But the truth is they're in and out of the pool in 15 minutes. Is it worth losing the presence of God for something like that? So he also made those radical adjustments, repented, and got right back with the Lord where he needed to be and fought his way back into that anointing. Because when you realize it's gone, now you've, you, you fumbled it away. So you've got to work back, fight back to get back into it. Now, here's the thing. You can turn it around. You can get back into it. But this is the golden key. This is something that the Lord revealed to me by revelation. And it's found in Second Kings chapter 6. Praise the Lord today. And it is in verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. That would be the eyes of his protege, the young man that he's raising up, his servant. And Elisha said, he prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So I was meditating on that one day, and the presence of the Lord drew very, very near in a super thick way. And when that happens, remember, the reason there's a presence is because that is emanating from a person. So when it gets real, real, real thick, you could very easily skip into a visitation or step over into a vision because there is a person creating the presence. So the presence of the Lord came real strong. I mean, just got right up in front of me in a beautiful, holy way. And the Lord began to talk to me. He said, who anointed? He said, who prayed for the servant for the ability to see in the spirit realm? I said, well, Lord, that was Elisha. He prayed for the young man, and then the young man could see in the spirit and could see the angels and the horses and the, you know, the chariots and the fire. He could see into the glory realm, and he could really see that there was a larger company, an angelic army in, in numbers, more than the natural army that had come against them. So it was easy for the man of God to say, don't fear those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So I said, well, Lord, I said, it was Elisha who prayed for the servant. And the Lord said, that's correct. But then the Lord said, he said, who prayed for Elisha that he could see into this realm and walk in this realm? I said, well, Lord, nobody that I know of. I said, I, I understand he received a double portion from Elijah, but he's already been walking in that for quite some time. So it's not like at this phase of his ministry, like somebody's praying for him, you know, having to lay hands on him. And the Lord said, that's correct. He walked in it. The Lord told me he walked in it consistently. And the Lord said, when you walk in it consistently, the Lord said, it's called the slipstream of heaven. And I had never heard that term ever used in my life. The Lord called it the slipstream of heaven. And this is a place you reach where you have fought and you have you've done whatever it took. Claude, you know, whatever you need to do, pray fast, you know, go into the prayer closet, whatever it takes, you know, tear the roof open and whatever it takes. But you you have gotten back into the presence of the Lord. Now, when you get back, if you sustain that and maintain that, you begin to go into this realm where 
many of the things I've talked about, the advantages, the benefits of the presence, even others able to see your identity, your uniqueness, even unbelievers. It's very, very special. But all of that can be enjoyed through a sustained walk with the Lord, and it's called the slipstream of heaven. Now, because here in North Carolina, even particularly this, this county that I live in, is the birthplace of NASCAR, which, you know, the, the fast cars with the high horsepower, cars up to 2,000 horsepower and stuff like that. But they know that in these races, that if you let the lead car get out in front, let him do the work and you get close behind him. You don't even have to get right behind him. You can just be off the edge a little bit. But what will happen is it actually creates a draft because he's pushing all of that air, all of that resistance out of the way. And you're coming right behind him and you're in his draft and you don't have to do all that work. And it even can create a suction that that vacuum that's created can even begin to pull you. Woo, so now you're behind that leader. So you get behind the Holy Spirit. And once you break through into that realm, don't ever get lazy and fall out of it. Now, you, uh, even though there's a vacuum and it can like help you flow along, you're still going to have these other things of life that are going to try to evaporate that presence. The unexpected things of life, the um, the unplanned things of life, the, the the moments you're like, well, I thought we had it all covered, but I didn't know. Okay, so you're going to have to fight to maintain that presence, especially, especially when you know you need it. So I just want you to be aware of that. But it is possible to get into that place, the same realm that Enoch walked with. He walked in that realm. It's the same realm that Elisha got into. And if you get into it, guard it with all of your heart and do everything you can to never come out of it. Remembering how difficult it was to get into it in the first place. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody that is watching that if they're not in that place of walking in your presence with your strong presence around them, I pray that you help them to merge into it today, that they find this slipstream of heaven, that they will give that great effort to get behind that leader, the Holy Spirit, and be pulled into it and then maintain it, maintain it. Thank you, Father, day and night, day and night. Mm, that even should a bad dream at night try to destroy that presence when they wake up. They'll get up and go pray. They'll go pray to maintain the presence. To maintain the presence of you. Not of the enemy. Of you. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise that this walk is sustained by faith. It is sustained by faith when it looks like circumstances would erode it. But when we stand, we can maintain it. Now, we give you all the praise. I ask you, I ask you for grace for your people that are watching to move into it, who've maybe fallen off the pace a little bit. Help them to move back into it. And then, once they're in it, really begin to push the gas pedal down a lot further. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Let that accelerator begin to go down into new realms of the glory, into new realms of walking with you in the supernatural Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
We thank you for what you're doing during this beautiful Feast of Tabernacles. Let fresh anointing come upon your people. Let that refreshing come. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you. Now the Holy Spirit is highlighting right now anything that would block the Lord's presence. If you've lost it, it's because something blocked it, something interrupted it. And right now the Holy Spirit is saying this is where it it dropped off at right here. Now go back and correct that right now. There's forgiveness. There's repentance available. Receive right now. Make that correction and then move quickly back into the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you. We seal this word in the name of Jesus. This word will not be stolen from the hearts of your people. This word will produce the 100 fold harvest in the soil of their heart. It will bear forth 100 fold in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Those of you that are watching today's program, but you do not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but the preaching of the gospel with the empowerment of the Spirit of God has brought conviction to your heart, and you realize your life is not right with God, and you don't want to wait another day to get it right. My friends, I extend to you, on behalf of Jesus Christ, the invitation to receive Christ and eternal salvation in His name. If you would like to receive Him now, pray this prayer from your heart. Pray it out loud right now. Say, Jesus, I come before you now. I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. Jesus, wash my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. Take control of my life from this day forward. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. God bless you. God bless you. God heard your prayer. And he has saved your soul. Now, if you're a backslidden Christian away from God, perhaps walking in bitterness and unforgiveness, turn from your sin right now and the Lord will restore you back to him. Pray this. If you're a backslidden Christian, pray this. Say, Jesus, I've gotten away from you and I've lost your presence. Please forgive me and receive me back into full fellowship with you right now. And with your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. And thank you that you cast all of my sins into the depths of the ocean. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God loves us all so much. Now, let's take Holy Communion today. Please grab some unleavened bread. And some grape juice. Let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We thank you that this is now set apart as holy, as sacred through this prayer. And this is now the body and the blood of Christ our Savior. When we look at it with our natural eyes, we still see a little wafer and we see some grape juice. But we know that we are receiving now the body and the blood of Christ. Father, we thank you for the Lord's body, for all of his promises. And we thank you, Father, that you extend the, the promise 
of the presence of your Son, the presence of your Holy Spirit, to abide with us, to be with us. Oh, God, we give you praise. Teach us further to discern and enjoy and treasure the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Father, especially when it becomes very strong and how we can lean into the presence of the Lord and go further into the glory. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's an anointing that as you look to the Lord and don't look back and don't look at past sins or failures, the Lord will release grace to make up for lost time and get you right at the destination, right when you need to be there. Don't worry. Don't panic. Don't stress. Pastor Stephen, I need to run. I need to run. Not if the Lord doesn't say to. Just maintain the presence. And if that means walk, walk in the presence of the Lord. Woo! Praise God. Don't let anything disrupt or disturb the Lord's presence in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. I would also say, by the anointing of the Spirit, be careful as well not to disturb the Lord's presence in the life of another believer. Be sensitive to their walk with God. Be sensitive to the timing of when you come in. Is it the right time for that? Be aware of that as well. Praise God. Honor and respect their walk with the Lord too. Well, well we got to get it done right now, Pastor Stephen. Right now. Well, that's not a good time. That's not a good time. They're not going anywhere. Let's go back 20 minutes later. There's something right now that we need to be sensitive to. There can be times like that as well. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that, that's something we need to be sensitive of. One minister, when he said he was a young man, just learning the ways of God, and he was learning the presence of the Lord, he was at the altar kneeling. And he was having a remarkable encounter with the Lord when along came an elder who had no clue of the presence of the Lord. Along came an elder and said, now that's enough of that. You get up from there and stand up. Lift your hands up. Up, down. Lift your hands up. Up, down. You don't need to be sitting down there groveling like that. Well, he wasn't groveling. He was in deep worship. But some, they don't understand that Lord, the presence, and they're not even aware of it. So they're a little bit of like a bull in a china shop. So we need to understand it and value it, but also in the lives of others as well. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and a sensitivity to the Lord's presence. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe over the Feast of Tabernacles, the Lord will draw near. Ooh, hallelujah. Receive the presence of the Lord. Receive the mercy and the goodness of God. Now, I know exactly what some of you are thinking. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. Well, in the natural, we're not. But because of what Jesus did for us at Calvary, because he has imputed his righteousness into us, on that standing, we are now able to host and enjoy and maintain the Lord's presence and all of his blessings. Praise God. So let the Lord draw near and keep that nearness, keep that presence. 
Praise the Lord. Father, I speak blessing over your people. And over the next, the next five days of the feast, let it be a wonderful time of enjoyment, a time of unveiling, a time of they knowing their uniqueness in you. And I thank you that that uniqueness, Father, in your people is multifaceted, but you're going to cause certain things to pop out and be identified because your presence is with them. And we thank you for this in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. We all agree and say amen. Now there's a healing anointing that is manifesting right now. And if you need the Lord to heal you, just open your heart to him right now. He is the Lord, your healer. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody, something's wrong with your throat, and it's, it's painful. It's, it's uh, the right side of your throat. Something's not right, and you don't know what it is. Well, just let the Lord minister to you right now. Father, I release your healing anointing into those that have that issue with their throat. Be healed. Receive in the name of Jesus. I see that there are those who are depressed, and even those who have been taking pills, battling, battling depression. Lord, I just rebuke that right now. I rebuke the depression in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, if there's repentance that's needed, then get that right with the Lord. But the anointing is there for your healing. Receive, receive. And let the joy of the Lord rush back into your life. Praise God. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Father God. I just released the healing anointing. And I rebuke sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. Here it comes. Receive now the healing power of God into your life. Thank you, Father God. Wherever you need that, just put your hand on that part of your body. Receive right now in the name of Jesus. Receive, receive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If it helps you to receive easier, put your hand on the, on the, the monitor of your, of your laptop or your computer. Put your hand on your phone. Receive. The anointing's flowing out and through right now. The device that's broadcasting this to you. Receive in Jesus' name. Command every symptom to go. I command every symptom to go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. I hear in my spirit that there are some Catholics. Roman Catholics you're watching right now. And you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, but Jesus would like to fill you to overflowing right now with this Holy Spirit. Just lift up your hands right now. Lord Jesus, baptize them now in your Holy Spirit. Let them speak in other tongues. We give you praise. That's you. Open your mouth. Begin to speak out. The utterance that the Holy Spirit would give you. Just speak it out. Speak it out to the glory of God. Hallelujah. And some of you, you're actually watching from Italy. Receive, receive, receive in Jesus' name. And if you're watching from somewhere else by faith and you need that, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, take it by faith right now. Receive, be filled in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you 
We thank you for clarity, for peace, for joy. Hallelujah. We thank you for the unveiling of divine assignments. Staying on task. Staying on target. Oh God, we give you praise. We give you praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, let prosperity come to your people. Golden prosperity. Golden financial prosperity. Let it rush into their life and bring your people out of any financial debt. Help them to get all of their, uh, all of their bills and all of their debts paid off. Thank you, Father God. Free them up to serve you liberally and generously. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. A amen. And amen. Some of you are getting real hot. Almost as if you ate a bunch of chili peppers. You're getting real hot. Some of you are even sweating. You're perspiring. That is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there are things that are being driven out of you right now. Generational curses are being broken off of you right now. Receive in the name of the Lord. And there's also healing taking place in your body. That is a manifestation of God's glory upon your life. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We call it done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for the special Feast of Tabernacle Seeds that you have sown. Me and the entire team are standing with you for the 100-fold return. Look for it. It's coming into your life. Your harvest is coming swiftly. Praise God in advance for it. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.